0: News Radio Original Podcasts. Hey y'all, Sabrina boyd circa here. I've got something extra special to share with you this week. In between my adventures for the Johncast, I had the opportunity to guest host another Odyssey podcast, Something Offbeat. They dig into those news headlines that make you go, huh? Shout out to Mike Rogers, their usual host, who is awesome, and also to producers Lauren Berry and Chris Blake for having me on. So I wanted to share that episode with you because if you like what we're doing on the JohnCast, I think you'll like something offbeat too. They fit into the whole interesting and unexpected stories theme. The episode I hosted was on facial recognition technology and how it's being used by businesses in some kind of creepy ways, like to keep certain people out of music and sports venues. Take a listen. And if you like it, you can follow something offbeat for free on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts to hear more.
1: Attorney Larry Hutcher, a longtime Knicks fan, is suing MSG to let him in. The Knicks play their home opener on Friday against the Detroit Pistons, but Madison Square Garden says he is not welcome.
0: Hutcher, who spoke with Odyssey's Ten Ten wins in New York, is representing ticket sellers in a case against Madison Square Garden. They
2: got claim that because uh, litigation was an avenue that was fraught with controversy, that they didn't want to have any of the attorneys at my firm engage with any of their attorneys that might result in an ethical violation where you are having conversations directly between attorneys and and the members of the organization you are suing it was nothing more than a silly pretext to extract revenge against attorneys who sue madison square garden
0: but lauren it wasn't just that he was banned from the garden It's how he and other attorneys were stopped from getting in. That's right, Sabrina. By the way, everybody, this is
1: Sabrina boyd Circa. She does great work on the John cast at Odyssey's KYW in Philadelphia, and she's filling in while Mike Rogers is on vacation this week.
0: Thanks, Lauren. I am, uh, to be honest, a low-key fangirl of something offbeat, so happy to be here. These are some big shoes to fill, but I will do my best. Oh, It means so much
1: for us to hear that from you. Thank you so much. Uh, but back to the story, Madison Square Garden Entertainment, which owns iconic venues like the Beacon Theater, Radio City Music Hall, and the garden itself, didn't just have a list of names it was using to stop adversaries from getting in. It was identifying them using facial recognition technology. And Larry wasn't the only one. No, there are actually several examples. The New York Times reported on at least three other attorneys, Benjamin Noren, Kelly Conlon, and Sam Davis, who were also turned away because they work for firms involved in litigation against MSG Entertainment. We reached out to all three, but didn't hear back.
0: I think a key in what you just said is they worked for these firms, not necessarily on these cases. So the Garden is turning away paying customers who already bought tickets, who could have been doing any kind of legal work at these firms, They just happened to work for the wrong company if they wanted to see an event at an MSG venue.
2: Think about if you were having uh, your children all excited to go to the Christmas show at Radio City, you bought tickets, and you're not involved in any litigation, you're doing wills and trusts, you wouldn't know how to find a courtroom if your life depended on it. And all of a sudden, they're excluded.
0: This is the latest and one of the most high-profile examples of facial recognition technology making its way into our lives, but it is everywhere. Just think about how you unlock your iPhone, or social media suggesting tags for people in photos, even how law enforcement sometimes identifies suspects. I'm Sabrina boyd circa and this is Something Offbeat, the podcast where we dig into some of the headlines that raise more questions than answers. This week I talked with Leila Nashashibi from the nonprofit Fight for the Future about this technology's biases, who controls the information, and what it means for our future.
3: Fundamentally, facial recognition technology is a surveillance technology and a very powerful one. It allows people to be recognized and identified in real time and matches faces with faces in mass databases. The MSG incident is one that is affecting lawyers at the moment, but in reality, the threat of facial recognition technology and all surveillance technologies is greatest for marginalized communities. What is it about this
0: technology
3: that opens the
0: door for more discrimination, and what are the implications that it could have if this becomes more common?
3: It also doesn't work well, especially on people of color and women. It can misidentify. Folks in those categories up to 98% of the time, depending on the system. And that can lead to extremely terrible life altering consequences. You know, if you are falsely matched and then falsely arrested, as folks have been, it can forever impact your life. So far, we know of four people, all of them Black men, who have been misidentified and arrested as a result of facial recognition technology. That number is backed up by multiple reports from outlets like
0: NBC News, Wired, and more, all citing the same data saying that facial recognition technology is most accurate at identifying white men.
3: It is definitely a very concerning and dangerous trend. We have discrimination already baked into policing and the policies and sort of practices of businesses and and companies as it is, and this technology is really going to, and is already just amplifying that discrimination.
0: One example of facial recognition making its way into policing is in New Orleans, where in July, the city council voted to allow its use in some cases. Here's former New Orleans Police Superintendent Sean Ferguson, who was in charge when the council took its deciding vote, talking with Odyssey's WWL.
2: We want to make sure that what we're doing is constitutional. We want to be able to collect this data and be able to state, hey, these are the number of requests that we receive. These are the number of times in which it was denied or approved. And if approved, what was the result of that approval?
1: But even if the police are saying they want to do everything by the book, Nashashibi says that's beside the point Fight for the Future is trying to make.
3: Even if this technology worked absolutely perfectly and was trained to identify people perfectly 100% of the time, we would still oppose it completely. We do not support sort of improving the technology so that it's better able to identify people.
0: So what are some of the specific ways in which you could see this taking a darker turn? You know, right now we're talking about a sports owner trying to ban attorneys, From going to see the Rockets or a Knicks game, which is not life or death, but it sounds like it could get a lot worse.
3: Some of the really terrifying scenarios a store owner, for example, could be screening everyone who approaches the store and deciding to bar entry to anyone who is in a police database, for example. Um, We could also imagine someone who is undocumented showing up at a concert and deciding to try out the paperless ticketing system and scan their face. This is something we're seeing is facial recognition ticketing. Yeah, scan their face and then immediately their face is matched to a government database and ICE is alerted of their presence at a concert.
2: CPB is installing biometric facial scanners at DFW International Airport and George Bush Intercontinental Airport in Houston. Instead of issuing paper receipts, officials say the kiosks will now rely on facial recognition technology. Leaders with U.S. Customs and Border Protection say the changes will enhance security, reduce physical touch points, expedite the traveling process, and help the environment by ditching paper receipts.
0: You mentioned the mundane uses of this, and it just makes me think, One of the most common ways to unlock your phone is through face ID. We've got Facebook trying to identify and suggest tags for your friends based on their faces. There's all these AI softwares where you can manipulate a picture of your face and make it look artistic. How much is this happening without people even realizing that they could be being recognized or their data could be going someplace beyond where they intend?
3: It's happening a ton this is the creep that we're really concerned about it's every little sort of new use where companies and and platforms sort of are introducing it without any discussion of the possible risks without sort of alerting anyone at all to the risks that are involved in giving up this data i will say that there is sort of different risks associated For example, with Face ID on an iPhone, compared to biometric surveillance tools that take your data and store it in a big database in in, in the cloud, the difference is where the data is stored. Face ID on an iPhone stores your your face print on the device itself, doesn't send it to the cloud. And there are still risks involved with that. But in terms of the the risk of of hackers accessing the data in in a mass database in the cloud, that really exists more for the majority of these tools, which, which are storing the data in the cloud. And I think
0: that kind of comes back to just privacy concerns at the root of this, right? So what are the legal implications of this? Like, is this completely legal? Should there be laws in the future around this and what exists now?
3: In most places, the use of facial recognition by private companies and businesses is totally legal. Portland, Oregon is the one city in the nation that has passed a ban on facial recognition in places of public accommodation, meaning you know, restaurants, gyms, live music venues, these kinds of places. Otherwise, it is unregulated. In terms of police use, we've seen a lot more action Uh, various cities have passed bans on police use of this technology, given how dangerous it is and how much it is amplifying racial
0: discrimination. There was a wave of bans on facial recognition technology across the country starting in 2019. But according to a May report in Reuters, New Orleans was just one of many places, including Virginia and California, that started to add exceptions to their bans.
3: On the federal level, there are bills and there are sort of legislative efforts. There is a Biometric Surveillance Moratorium Act currently, which has been proposed, which would put an end to the use of this technology by government agencies. That bill was introduced in 2021
0: by Democratic Representative Pramila Jayapal of Washington. And last fall, Representative Ted Lieu, a California Democrat, introduced the Facial Recognition Act neither bill has reached a floor vote.
3: New York Attorney General Letitia James has sent a letter to MSG basically demanding that they prove that their policies are not violating anti-discrimination laws. She also notes that their policy could be violating state and city laws that are prohibiting retaliation. And I think that's a very important point. You know, obviously these kinds of, this, this policy on MSG's part has the effect of basically discouraging litigation against the company, incentivizing people to not litigate against them in order to access their venues. Are there any ways that this technology could be used for good? When it comes to the public sphere and sort of using this technology in public, our answer is no. It is truly a tool that is far too dangerous For there to be sort of any positive uses. On the most basic level, in addition to the very serious concerns around the amplification of discrimination and and racism, on a basic level, most of these tools are collecting biometric data and storing them in mass databases in the cloud. And those databases are enormous targets for hackers. It is simply extremely unsafe for these tools to exist on, on just an identity an identity theft level. You know, if a hacker gets a hold of your face print, they have it for life. It's not like you can simply replace your face as you can replace a credit card. And again, it's really important to know that we've already seen incidents of Identity theft as a result of facial recognition, databases, hacking, happen. It will happen even more as this tech spreads more. And marginalized communities will be harmed the most also by this. When we think about who has the resources to deal with a situation of identity theft, for sure it is people (laughs) with a lot of money and power.
0: On a September episode of Something Offbeat, we spoke to Dr. Sage Elwell, He's the chair of the religion department at Texas Christian University in Fort Worth, specializing in the intersection of religion
3: and tech. There are three things that come into play and that's access, control, and profit. The key issues to my mind are who has access to these technologies, who has control of these technologies, and importantly, the data that they generate and who profits from those technologies and from the data that's generated.
0: In this case, how much do we know about who is gaining access to our information and our facial profiles?
3: Without uh, regulation and laws, it is very hard to know in a holistic way who is gaining access to to this data. We know that there have been incidents of this data being collected and then being shared with law enforcement. You know, law enforcement can access it By requesting it, but it can also, it's also sometimes shared voluntarily, which is deeply concerning. We know there have been incidents of this data being shared with marketing companies, with data brokers, um, of course, also incidents of hacking and hackers gaining access to this data. So
0: what can people do? How can people react to this, protect themselves or fight back? How can we respond?
3: One important thing to note is We really need to stop the spread of this tech in sort of seemingly mundane uses. Like for example, using your face to pay for a burrito or board a plane. Um, All of these little seemingly convenient use cases are basically normalizing the practice of handing over your incredibly sensitive biometric information to corporations. And that really paves the way for ever more invasive, ever more discriminatory and abusive uses of of our data. There's sort of definitely an awareness raising and a criticalness that we need to have around the ways this technology is popping up in our lives.
0: Nasha Shibi says Fight for the Future also has different petitions for business owners, artists and venues to sign, pledging not to use facial recognition software. You can find those links in the show notes. She also encouraged those interested in the issue to contact their elected officials. Sabrina, before we go, we wanted to
1: mention that there's been a partial resolution to the case in New York. An update tonight to a story
0: we've been telling you about on 1010 Wins about the lawyer who sued Madison Square Garden after he and his colleagues at his firm were barred from the Garden Radio City and the Beacon Theater. Larry Hutcher has won a partial victory. A judge says Hutcher and the other lawyers from that firm can attend musical and theatrical performances at the MSG properties, but they can't attend Knicks or Rangers games for now. I mean, I would be fine with that solution. I'm way more interested in music and theater than in sports. But that seems like a weird line to draw. And I would still be nervous walking into those venues at all, knowing that this technology was there
1: right? And it is a weird line to draw. I'm the same with you about music and theater, but I know a lot of sports fans that would be pretty upset about that decision.
2: My goal was, I knew many of my partners had tickets to take their children to the Radio City Christmas show, as well as other holiday events. I'm finally pleased to be able to say to them, go enjoy the the wonderful spectacles and, and entertainment. I'm Sabrina boyd
0: Circa. Thanks for listening to Something Offbeat. This episode was written and produced by Lauren Berry and Chris Blake, with audio editing by Chris Blake, original music by Myron Kaplan, and editorial support from Cooper Mall. Special thanks to Odyssey Station's 1010 Winds in New York, WWL in New Orleans, WBBM in Chicago, and KRLD in Dallas for providing audio for this episode. keep listening, please subscribe to us on the Odyssey app, Spotify, Apple, or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you have your own offbeat story that you think we should cover, send it to us at somethingoffbeat at audacy.com.